You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast. Welcome to Grow Cookie to Range, the podcast of me and today, an old friend and colleague of mine, Trisha Guild, who I have known from a distance for a very long time. And then in 2017, Trisha and I were involved with the Radio 2 Gardens uh, with Annika Rice, and we basically put together the design for a really colourful cutting garden. And the whole idea is it was all about colour and flowers and abundance, which I feel is such a foundation stone to Trisha's business, which is, of course, Designers Guild and her sort of flagship store in the King's Road has been a place I have been visiting a very, very long time. And actually, I'm wittering on too long now before I say hello to Trisha, but I'm sitting in a room now where I remember so well going to a warehouse sale and buying the most incredibly vivid green and blue and turquoise and white, almost as if sort of not splashed with paint, but sort of striped with paint. And I absolutely adored them and they lit my life every single day for about two decades. Anyway, welcome Trisha. It's lovely to to have you, a fellow lover of colour. Well, it's lovely to see chat to you and to be with you again. We always get on so well, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. So it's great. It's, it's um, lovely to see your smiley face. So so I suppose, uh, Tricia, as well as, well, we had fun on that garden um, now six years ago, crazily. We're just coming up to Chelsea again. So it's sort of fresh in my mind. And it was such a joyful experience um, working with you and your team and your studio and the importance of dailies to you. But I, I'd love you to talk about and tell our listeners about how you got into gardening, where you garden and what you love about gardening, I suppose. Well, I mean, that that experience of working with you, because you know so much more about everything to do with flowers than I do, but it was just a, a real education for me. And it was, you know, I first my first memories of being given some seeds in my grandfather's garden. I was, I think, three or four years old. And their garden with their beautiful wisteria, the color of that. I think it's always been central to my life, his... Uh, the landscape, gardening, growing, and you know, being in touch with the earth. I mean, it's it's a it's a real special experience, and it enlivens my life. So, throughout my life, I've always had some kind of garden. More so for the last few years, where I've gardened in Italy mm. and therefore able to grow sort of vegetables and buy all your seeds, by the way, and oh, your dates and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a learning process and it's a continual learning process because, you know, that's the delight of it in a way. Uh, color obviously is something that runs through my life within the garden but within my space and my work mm. it's not something that I've ever been frightened of and I think maybe a lot of people are yes so true and so it's um an important part of 
also sort of learning about color, which, you know, one always is interested in learning and, and mm. how, how we can put different textures together and how we can make the most of, you know, growing tomatoes. I was listening to you talking about underplanting with tomatoes so we don't get lots of <laughs> yeah. different aphids. aphids and things. And so, yeah, and when we made that garden at, at Chelsea, which was mostly your beautiful work, you know, it just came together so easily somehow. Yeah, it did. It did. And so you don't garden in London anymore, or do you have a balcony or anything? Or Oh, no, I do garden in London, but I don't grow veggies in London. So will you tell us about the London garden? Well, it, it's quite a um, sort of contemporary space. Yeah. There's a little bit of water, a water fountain with some bright blue tiles, as you know, blue, a blue wall, and therefore... Any of the flowers are uh, sort of blues, agapanthus in summer, yeah. um, mauvey color hellebores. There are some climbing roses that are actually bright pink, but on the mauve side of pink. So keeping a color consistency because it's small and it's quite contemporary in a way. Lots of pots with either agapanthus or hellebores in, in winter. Okay. Lovely. And quite tailored. And then there's some really good clipped cypress and hornbeams. Ah, yes. So it, it sort of works off the contemporary feeling of the house. Because to me, it's another room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it has to have the same essence as the house, which is, is kind of quite colorful, but, but contemporary and has its color palette. And then, you know, one has to be just as selective in the garden as you are in your inner space because yeah. there are so many gorgeous things yes yes so many gorgeous colors but that has to be really thought about in the garden as well as, as in, in a space and I'm sure you agree with that to make it a calm space to be in in a way and and particularly if you've got water and so do you eat in it a lot as well in your London yes. garden yeah. yeah 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 absolutely fresh you know in summer it's lovely and and it's it's quite shaded, which is also lovely. There's sort of nice long table where we can have you know, breakfast, lunch, whatever. Yeah. And yeah. surrounded by, you know, there's different growing patterns, obviously. Euphorbia are just coming out now. There's yeah. sort of wonderful, bright, bright green flowers. Uh, love that. They sort of disappear in the summer. We've got sort of more alcamilla and yes. we had the scillas are coming out now. How fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I, I think of you as such a blue-green person, and I, I can I completely see. <laughs> so tell us about Italy. So you bought the house 20 years ago or so, but then you've gradually been developing the garden. Yes. Well, the first house was a tiny house. It was a pile of stones when we bought it, and that, and that was my first attempt uh, doing it practically all myself and and of growing salads and tomatoes and different vegetables and you know practicing with different herbs that one couldn't find locally yeah and that was very exciting um and then 12 years ago we bought another house with with quite a large garden and yeah. and that's wonderful i work with arnie maynard that's it i remember you saying yeah on yeah. that garden and that was a th absolute dream working with him 
and working with the architect, who's Stephen Marshall. So it's yeah. got, sort of got a contemporary feeling to it, but using only plants and vernacular of, of, of the landscape. Yeah. So yeah. different kinds of rosemaries, of sage, that, you know, just absolutely, if when, when they have some irrigation, they just go potty. Yeah. yeah. Fig yeah. trees, fruit trees, plum trees. It, it's really fantastic. And then cutting garden, which I, I, you know, probably don't experiment enough, but I mean, I do love dahlias because they're such great flowers to use in indoors. Yes. And they just, you know, they go on, don't they? Absolutely. June to October. Yeah. So a lot of dahlias, zinnias. Yeah. Zinnias. Okay. Cosmos, I imagine. Yes, definitely. And it's in it's in Tuscany, isn't it? Is it in Tuscany, Tricia? It's actually in Umbria. In Umbria, okay. And so, how often do you manage to to make it out through the year? How how often can you go and enjoy it there? I go really quite often. You yeah. know, once every month or six yeah. weeks for long weekends. It's, it's quite a lot of travelling, but on the other hand, I can't bear it if I don't go there. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, it's constant care. So yes. Um, Absolutely. And now we're just about to build another garden, so... Are you? Yep. There, in, in, in Italy. Yeah. How exciting. <laughs> That's fantastic. I know, I know. And so you've got the land that you can just keep expanding and expanding. A bit like Perch Hill, yes. in a way. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've, we've moved on because the house was really terribly big, so we're just okay. about to start building a new house okay. on the same bit of land <gasps> and a new garden. And... Wow. Um, yeah. That's so Particularly exciting. aware of water, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's something that we all have to be aware of and how, you know, what we're going to plant and how the irrigation is going to work. And so it's a new learning curve. And have you found that there's anything that we can sort of pass on to our listeners that have been particularly good at withstanding the heat and the drought, like we had in our summer last year? Have you sort of got any lessons? about that well i you know sage and rosemary thyme ferns although they do need irrigation you know the mint needs shade i mean it's it just all has to be cared for and and really looked after and i i think what we're going to do in the new space is almost plant less mm, interesting. because you know i don't want to waste anything yeah and really be quite careful with the amount of salad because, yes, you know, quite. if you've got large beds, you want it to look gorgeous. So yes, you sort of overplant. Plant. Yeah, so true. So we, I think on that, on that score, we'll probably be a little bit more minimal about it and just keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite things like coriander and she said things that, really prefer a, not such a warm climate or, you know, you have to eat them early summer and, and then plant again. Yeah. So it's timing. I think one has to be quite aware about timing, things like that. Yeah. And then sort of taking it, I, I had a wonderful day in your studio, um, what must be now five or six years ago, where I saw the process of some dahlias had been photographed in the garden in Italy and they then came in 
to the design studio and, and you were chatting through the two or three designers who were working on it. I mean, I would love you to describe that sort of process of how you, first of all, you know, whether you have a notebook or anything, how you you kind of think what the new design is going to be for the next season and and then how that is put into process and how it then rolls out in your great sort of rolls of fabric. <laughs> that is a really exciting thing. Starting a collection, a bit like I'm sure when, you know, we're starting a garden, you create a mood board. What are your favorite plants? You know, and it's so helpful because you get a you get a sort of minute version of what you're going to end up with and it's the same in the studio yeah. we'll have various ideas and and make mood boards around them so oh, i don't know you know it might be uh, an ancient piece of batik or an indian textile or somebody's wonderful you know howard hodgkin painting yes. but you sort of create colors and moods around that and some some things remain and some things then get se selected out. So I think it's a very similar process. And then everybody's working away and, and given inspiration. And to be honest, in the studio, we just have to hope that we're on the right track because <laughs> one never knows what's going to happen. And, and you sort of build the mood boards and then everybody starts painting and then deselecting, actually. Yeah. It's really important out. to be selective. Yeah. <laughs> Apt word. The, pr the pruning is really important. And that goes on all through the creative process in the studio. And then we sample all the textiles and recolor, add colors. You know, it's just all down to detail, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think... Any creative process, it sort of works in the same way, whether it be a garden or, you know, one's thought about, you know, what sort of, what sort of food you're going to create for supper. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a similar thing. You, we're not going to make a mood board for that. Yeah. But in a way, one does think it through. Yeah. Have you ever used edibles in any of your patterns? I, I can't remember seeing sort of tomatoes or salad leaves or anything. They're probably too graphic for you, I guess. Well, we did quite a few years ago. We had a whole salsa, it was called. Okay. A whole collection of, of sort of tomatoes and cucumber, greenhouse, a greenhouse type feel. Yeah. And maybe that's not a bad idea, Sam, actually. I'm going to start a new mood board because it's what we all love. Yeah. And there are so many indoor, outdoor. I think yeah. Since the ghastly lockdown, people have been much more interested in sort of being outdoors or indoors and outdoors. Yeah. I don't know. I think they it are. It seems that, yeah, because we all need it. I wondered whether you have found that when you're kind of selecting people for the studio, do you find people who have a, a sort of sense of nature and of plants and butterflies and, and sort of, you know, generally make very good designers do you think having that sort of interest in nature helps or does it not matter at all and you could be a completely urban non-nature person I think that it does help I mean two of our main designers you know also one of them has allotment yeah <laughs> I yeah. think it helps it's a love of growing uh, another one lives in the countryside I mean not it's not necessary but I think, it, you know, it's that sort of 
love of the landscape. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to to us and to being creative. I mean, that's my experience yeah. anyway. Yeah, 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 completely. And I mean, one of the people who we had, we reconnected through actually was Juliet Glaves, who's has wonderful, wonderful flowers in the shop in Kings Road and in your shop. And she is so into the sort of shapes and natural beauty of true garden plants. I mean, the, the sort of rigid rigor of a chrysanthemum grown through netting in a sort of huge greenhouse doesn't interest her one bit or you or me. It, it's the things where the stem is collapsed over or the plant's slightly going over perhaps. And it's kind of fruit and blackberries and all that that sort of natural abundance that nature gives you that inspires her. And I'm sure that's why you have you have your involvement with her flowers. Oh, absolutely. She is just such an inspiration for the store. I mean, it's wonderful. She brings her produce and I mean looks after it, you know, because yeah. that's a very important part, yeah. isn't it, of cutting flowers or very. using, you know, you know, it's the same with salads and vegetables but actually keeping fresh water you know yeah. it's it's part of a process you she couldn't do that no it, dump unless, and run no way no yeah it, unless she loved it and we work together so much in fact she creates our films and you know so we're seeing her all through different seasons and working with her at the moment on a on a new film and she just brought you know some some marvelous branches and real inspiration because they're they're real they're not blossoms as you say that you that you that are straight and rigid and you know these have got this sort of wonderful curves and yeah absolute nature within within the home and it doesn't it doesn't have to be abundant no it's not about minimal Mm. yeah it's not about having to afford great big bouquets it's not about that no. You know, can be, but it can also be one stem. Yeah. And the life yeah. of that flower. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And the petals dropping, which is, yes. you know, something that's still in the States, I think is, it, it, they're, they're a little bit behind us in that. But, but I, I do think Instagram and, and female florists have really driven us forward on this, you know, just the whole thing of the celebration of the thing as it's sort of slightly off its peak and, you know, not past its best. And, and a celebration of that is such a really lovely change in, well, anyway, in graphic design that I've seen and in gardens and particularly in floristry. And I, I think that's such an optimistic, it's sort of getting away from the absolutely, you know, the wonky vegetable is a good thing and the wonky flower. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> celebration yeah, of the really individual. T- yeah. Yeah. Don't peel everything either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So before we finish, I just wondered if we just quickly think about Chelsea, which is uh, so soon around the corner now, and and what you look forward to. I mean, one of the things I love about that part of London, so near the, the site of the Chelsea Flower Show, is everybody does those incredible, abundant, flowery, colourful windows. And you sort of walk down the King's Road from you down towards the site. And it's just everybody has is kind of just being flowery. And I, 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 that's one of the things I like almost as much as the show. Oh, I agree. And it's, it's so, you know, so energizing and cheery. I mean, what I almost look forward to, I mean, the whole thing, of course, but going through, you know, and seeing the growers, 
Yeah. I yeah. always absolutely love that. That's com- true inspiration, isn't it? You just walk through those halls and just want everything. That's why it's so difficult being selective because you have yeah. to be selective in yeah. your garden. But uh, I think it's, the, it's absolutely a wonderful time of year and we're so lucky to have Chelsea and the effort that goes into it as well. Yeah, it's true. We sometimes take all of that for granted and I don't, you can't. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So, yes, I think the whole thing, but especially taking time to look and, and meet the growers and, you know, cho- choose one or two new items or something that you've never chosen before, never understood. I think that's, it's, yeah. That's a thrill. Yeah. It, is, it strikes me whenever I'm there, it's like a thousand little bits of tapestry. You know, each one of those sites, you know, even the trade stands, everyone's taken so much care and and planning before they actually arrive on site. And I, I shouldn't say even the trade stands. I mean, that's where we tend to be. I don't mean to denigrate that. I, I think that, you know, walking in through the retail space is exciting. But you're you're right that the growers are the sort of honeypot for me. It's where I want to head to even more perhaps than the grand big main avenue gardens, which I tend to come out through those when I've sort of sucked up and sort of feel satisfied and inspired by the growers. And then and then the, the sort of bigger concept things are, are where I tend to end. Anyway, roll on another Chelsea uh, for 23. And I'm going to see you soon there, Tricia. Exactly. We're going to see each other. So yeah. that's a treat. Thank you. Thank a real you treat. so much for joining me and see you very soon. Lovely to speak. Thanks so much for listening to Grow Cookie to Range with me and Trisha Guild from Designers Guild. And next week, I'm going to be joined by Arit Anderson, someone who is a real champion of the Chelsea Flower Show, which of course we're coming up to now in May, the great exciting moment of the British gardening year. And we will be talking about how Arit got into gardening and why she loves Chelsea so much. See you then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes we talk about on this podcast by heading to the show notes or at sarahraven.com forward slash podcast.